0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. ...God for His holy written word. This morning we're talking about who the sun sets free... Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Our text is John's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. These are the words of our Lord. Then said Jesus to the doubters. No, he said to the Jews which believed on him. And that's important to know. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Well, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, whatever, there's a double verily, it's really significant. I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever. But the Son abides ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. What do you think of when you think of freedom? What does your mind go to immediately? Do you think of national freedom? Tomorrow we'll celebrate the 4th of July and the national freedom that we have. Well, there'll be, I'm sure, picnics and gatherings and food and fellowship and fireworks on display, carnivals, and the list goes on and on celebrating the national freedom that we have. Or do you think of political freedom? Do you think of religious freedom? Do you think of freedom of the press, freedom of speech? You know, we can think about freedom to pursue our hopes and goals and dreams and aspirations in life. In some cases, people want freedom so that they can basically govern themselves and live the life that they want to live, period. Well, Jesus wasn't talking about any of those freedoms. He was talking about a freedom that only he can provide. He's talking about a freedom from the dominion of sin and the consequences of sin and the effects of sin. You see, it doesn't matter what we do, what laws we keep. It doesn't matter how kind we are or how much we give to support anything, even the poor. There's nothing we can do about being liberated from the dominion of sin on our own. That is an impossibility. Only Jesus provides freedom from sin, its effects and consequences. And thank God, he has set us free. If it were not for what he did, we would not be free, and every single one of us would face the consequences of sin. But thank God, he set us free. Now, did you notice their response when he said that you could be free, and they said Well, let's read it. Verses 33 and 34 again. Notice this. They actually became defensive. And what they said was, we're Abraham's seed. And we've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say to you, whoso commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. So if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. So in other words, they were in bondage to sin and didn't even know it. As a matter of fact, let's go beyond that. They said we were never in bondage to any man. Did they forget about 400 years in Egyptian slavery and bondage? Did did they forget about that? Look in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26 and verse 13. And what it says in the NIV I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I guess they were in in slavery, weren't they? Notice this. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Moses didn't deliver them out of Egypt. God did. God broke the bars of their yoke. The yoke is a metaphor that's used for Anything that you're in bondage to. They were in bondage to different things. In the New Testament, it's referring to uh, bondage. You can, be, you can see you're yoked up to whether it's the law uh, or sin, you know, because they actually thought you could be saved, but then still you had to keep the law. There was a bondage there. Well, we know that because of Jesus, praise God, we've been set free from that. But they didn't know that. And some Judaizers came in undermining the teachings of Paul, wanted people to get yoked up together once again to the law which, of course, is not right. Well, before Christ, the law was basically like a yoke of bondage, oppressive. They were oppressed because of this yoke of bondage. No wonder Jesus said, all you that labor and heavy laden, come to me and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You'll find rest unto your souls. He was making a reference to this metaphor that was being used, the yoke that they were yoked up together with. And it's just like the service animals had a yoke around them. It was typically a a wooden yoke that they would be yoked up together with. And it kept them, of course, bound and they couldn't free themselves from it. But thank God one day God did something about it. He broke the bars of their yoke to give them freedom. Well, thank God Jesus broke the bars of our yoke as well. So this oppressive structure that was around them that they were attached to, they couldn't be free from unless they kept the law perfectly. Well, they couldn't keep the law perfectly, so there was no freedom for them. Do you ever remember Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 that talks about the the, uh, yoke is destroyed by the anointing? Read that in some other translations. The yoke is destroyed basically by the anointed one. And listen to this one translation. The anointing is called fat. It says the yoke is broken because of the fatness of your neck. So the yoke is not big enough to get around your neck. So when you get so full of God, God's so big that the yoke cannot get around you, cannot enslave you any longer. Did you hear that? That's one way to be fat and love it. So fat with the yoke of God, with the anointing of God, with the presence of God, that no yoke of bondage can get around it, and that's no yoke. (laughs) Don't throw any stones. (laughs) Look at John's, I mean, sorry, uh, look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 what it says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves, notice this, don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Who better than the Apostle Paul to communicate this message to these people that were being undermined by Judaizers that were coming in and say, it's okay, you're saved, but you know what, you have Christ in your life, but you still need the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law. And that's what they were teaching. But the Apostle Paul, who said, I'm a Pharisee above all Pharisees, I'm a Jew above all Jews, as far as the law touching the law, I am blameless. Can you imagine someone saying something like that? So he was actually t- giving his qualifications and saying, He's the creme of la creme when it came to his religious experience. As a matter of fact, he was so zealous for the things of God, he was going about trying to kill people that were Christians so that Judaism would continue to flourish. But he says here, once I saw Jesus on the Damascus road, he released me from the yoke of the law. Praise God. And he put a yoke around me that was light and easy. Imagine that. He loves light and easy. Not heavy and hard, but light and easy. And so once you get yoked up together with him, praise God, the beauty of it is this. He does all the work. That's what it's all about, and that's what Paul was trying to say. So what does he say here? Look, you were set free, and just as these Jews were set free from Egyptian slavery to serve the living God, so we've been set free from the power and dominion of sin to serve Christ and to be conformed to his image and likeness and fulfill his purpose for our lives. Now, that is very important for us to really reiterate. The Jews were delivered from Egyptian slavery. They were let go. Why? What did God say? Let my people go to serve me. And Jesus is saying, I set you free from sin's dominion and the dominion of death. Why? So that you can serve me. So what are we seeing here? Freedom is wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. But did you know when he freed you from the power of sin and death, you became a slave of his We are his slaves. The apostle Paul said, I am your love slave. In love I serve you gladly. Why? Because as long as I was yoked up together with this law and this sin and death and bondage, I would have spent my eternity in the lake of fire. But you released me. You broke the bars of my yoke. And you released me from it. And now I'm not out here as a separate entity living my life for myself the way I'm going to live my life. I'm not alone to myself. I'm yoking up together with you. Listen to this. Uh, I believe it's um, Deuteronomy 28, 47, 48. Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, you will serve your enemy in one of all things, and he will put a yoke of iron around your neck until you be destroyed. Who would you rather be yoked up with? The enemy or your Savior? Amen. Again, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So he didn't free us so that we could do our own thing. You can look at that nationally as well. We were free from the tyranny of of other nations to become a nation ourselves. But our forefathers had a desire to serve God and make him Lord over the land that we live in. So we could yoke up together with him as a people and serve him. But did you know there are certain perspectives when it comes to uh, freedom that needs to be understood by all of us? And number one, freedom has to be controlled. Controlled freedom is our first perspective. Look here in your Bible there, 1 Peter 2 and verse 16. This is from the uh, New Living Translation of the Bible. For you are free. Aren't you glad you're free? Say it with me, "I'm I'm free. But notice, yet you are God's slaves. I'm free, but I'm a slave, God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So I'm free, you're free, but we're free to serve him, not to serve ourselves, not to serve sin, not to serve the world, but to serve the living God. See, uncontrolled freedom is called anarchy. There's no governing force, there's no governing powers, there's no figure of authority, I'm just going to be free, really, to serve myself the way I want to live myself. Think about that. That's anarchy. Well, that's not a good thing. In the book of uh, Judges, you can see this clearly. Look at what it says in verse, chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king or no authority or no governing power in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Wow. Wow. They lived the way they wanted to live. They did what they wanted to do. There were no rules, no laws, no regulations, nothing of that nature. They just did what they wanted to do. That's anarchy. No governing authority or power whatsoever. They should have been under the authority of God. But then, of course, they cried out for a king, and we know the story there. But this is called uncontrolled freedom. You see, controlled freedom, true freedom is controlled freedom. And controlled freedom is this. In this country, you have freedom to drive an automobile, do you not? I can see how enthusiastic you are about that. Probably the gas prices got to you this morning, right? You are free to drive an automobile, right? Absolutely. But you're not free to drive it without a license. You're not free to drive it without insurance. You're not free to drive it on the wrong side of the road. Hmm? Right? And if you're like my grandmother, bless her soul, rest her soul, who in her big old I forget what year it was, but it was one of those old Oldsmobile 88s. Could have been a 98. Those real big ones made of steel and all that. When she got to the place to where it wasn't just on the road, she drove up the curb on the grass, knocked over the signs, and then we would get calls and say, I think your family member hit another car and took off. It's when you don't even know you hit a car or a sign or whatever, And so finally, we had to get with the police and just say, "Okay, we're taking her keys away. See, she had freedom, but she abused the freedom, not intentionally. She was getting to the place that you got to just take the keys away. See what I'm talking about? What's the point? Freedom is controlled. Controlled freedom means I have a right. I have the freedom to drive an automobile, but I've got to be within the boundaries of the law. And then what about I have the right, for example, the freedom of public assembly? I do, but not the right to destroy other people's property in the process of my protest if I want to protest something. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. So freedom, in other words, has to be controlled. Look in the book of Galatians. Controlled freedom is what true freedom is. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a singular sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other, and where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this, live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit, then you won't feed the compulsion of selfishness. There is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? So once again, what he's addressing is the fact that, yeah, we're free now, as far as he's concerned, but as far as they were concerned, you're free, but you still need the law. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to obey the law of Moses, etc., etc. So to them, it was Jesus plus something. Well, we know that's not the truth. Praise God. Controlled freedom is important. It's true freedom. We've been set free, but we've been set free to serve another, to become a slave for Christ and honor his ways, his laws, and so on and so forth. But then secondly, it is also conditional freedom. Look in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 2, 2 through 6. This is from the NIV. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await the faith, by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, what Paul's trying to communicate to them, look, salvation is about Jesus. Simply Jesus, and nothing added to that. How many of you enjoy, how many like tropicana orange juice? How many like simply orange? Simply orange. Uh, we got more of a tropicana crowd with us today. Simply orange. What does the, the name of it express? Pure orange, right? Nothing else. was well, not true. Because while we were on vacation in Myrtle Beach, we went to a, a breakfast restaurant, and they brought us a glass of orange juice. That was simply orange. It was like putting a straw in an orange and drinking it. It was that pure. nothing but orange. So wonderful. It was excellent. But why am I saying that here? Because you see, salvation is all about Jesus, simply Jesus, not Jesus and get circumcised. No, simply Jesus, not circumcised and obey the law. No, simply Jesus. Then you get saved. No, you got to have good works. No, no, no. You'll have your good works, but you can't get saved by good works. So salvation comes by Jesus, simply Jesus. See, it's not trying. It's simply trusting Jesus. It's not through guilt. It's grace provided by Jesus. It's not by rules. It's by relationship that's found only in Jesus. See, it's simply Jesus. This is the simplicity of the gospel. It's simple. It's all about Jesus. Get yourself, get myself out of the way. It's all about Jesus. Now, Can we do something to advance his kingdom? Yes. But listen to this. God loves you the way you are. In Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. It's faith working by love. What does that mean? My faith is in the work of Jesus. My faith is in what Jesus has done for me. It's all about Jesus simply Jesus And I also know this, that God loves me no matter what I bring to the table. He doesn't love me because I could bring something to the table, because I could do this or because I could do that. He loves me for who I am. He loves you for who you are. And whatever it is you could bring to the table to advance his kingdom is a wonderful thing, but that's not why he loves you. He loves you for who you are. And faith works by love, which means when I know how much he loves me, and I understand my faith is in the one who loved me that much. That's what matters. That's me. That means I want to serve him. I want to be a slav slave for him. I want to do what he wants me to do, live the way he wants me to live. It's conditional, but it's conditioned on Jesus. It's based on what he's done, not based on what I've done. And so thank God I'm free because he set me free. I'm free because he's made me free. It's all because of him. And it's simply Jesus. Nothing added. Andrew and I, I'm going to tell on us. There's these games we have that we play in our driveway. We've got a basketball hoop set up. You know, oftentimes Dante's busy now, but back further, we all play together. But um, some of these games, you know, like two bounce. Some of you people know what two bounces, is. Some of you not like, look, like looking at a old cow looking at a new gate. Like, What's two bounce? Uh, we would play pig, you know, stuff like that. So we came up with these games that we have, and we play these games often. But we also came up with our own rules. Andrew and I made up our own rule. If you shoot the ball at the basket and you hit the backboard and it bounces and hits the driveway and bounces on the driveway and makes its way into the container of the uh, recyclables, (laughs) it still counts. And you don't get two points, you get three. Because that's a long shot for that to ever happen. And since we made up that rule, it's only happened one time. I made a shot and it hit the thing and bounced off the rim and just went bouncing. Andrew said, Don't touch it. And I watched it, but toot, toot, right. Into- <laughs> he goes, you get three points for that. Yeah. We told Dante, he goes, He shakes his head. <laughs> you guys and your rules. <laughs> we have our own rules. <laughs> but you see, getting back to Jesus, it's not by rule, it's relationship. I believe the Lord wants to break some yokes of bondage this morning. Some bars that hold people captive this morning. When we understand that it's not by following all these rules, circumcision, keeping the law, and, and, and all that. It's all about a relationship. It's all about knowing how much God loves me. It's about knowing what he's placed within me that I begin to see That those bars are going to be broken. I begin to see how they're broken. And those chains just fall from me. Why? Because I've filled something. No, because of his love for me. And all I do is submit myself simply to Jesus. If he said I'm free, I'm free. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at verses 7 and 8. It's not about what I can bring to the table. It's what he brought to the table that counts. You did run well, he's speaking to these uh, people at Galatia. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. This doesn't come from God, he's saying. Who hindered you? When you see that word hinder there, what it actually means, who got in your way? Who uh, interfered with you? Who got in front of you? And it's the idea of this. Have you ever seen a track meet, maybe in the Olympics or whatever, but a track meet? Maybe you've been to a track meet with uh, one of your children. I've been to many with mine. I was engaged myself when I was younger. Uh, especially if it's a long-distance race and you've got a pack of uh, people that are participating. And someone just cuts you off and gets right in front of you and hinders your movement and you're progressing forward. They get interfere, you know, interfere with you, get in your way. And that's what he's saying. He said, what? has hindered you. What's gotten in your way? When you began, you were on fire for God. You walked with God. You honored God. And all of a sudden, these Judaizers come along and they try to do what? Put a yoke of slavery back upon your neck that God delivered you from through Jesus. And now you think you've got to get circumcised. Now you think you've got to do this, keep the law. Now you think you've got to do that, whatever it might be that that they basically put on you. He said, none of that's true. That's a hindrance. What are some things that can hinder us would be a misunderstanding of the gospel message and what it's truly all about. If we don't have the right message, then we're going to think wrong and it's going to hinder us from going in our grace. When I first came to Christ and I went to church, I was under such guilt and condemnation. It's not about guilt. It's about grace. Because the preacher, all he talked about was my shortcomings, my faults, my failures, my inadequacies, my inabilities. And you know what? I started to believe in them. But all of a sudden, I was awakened once again because I didn't learn that from the very beginning. I believe it was all about Jesus and what he did for me, not what I can do, not my strength. Listen, I am what I am because of him. By the grace of God, we all are who we are and what we have. Because of him, we have what we have, know what we know, can do what we can do, and we are who we are. It's only because of Jesus, not because of us. And so I had to recognize that once again and get rid rid of the guilt and the condemnation I was well aware of my shortcomings. Are you well aware of yours? I was well aware of my faults, my failures, my inadequacies, and all that. And I want a solution to it. You know what the solution is? At one time, you think, well, I'll just go somewhere. Someone will pray for me, and I'll get liberated from that. And that can happen. But you won't stay liberated by that. You can't live your life from service to service from uh, meeting to meeting from prayer meeting from and that sort of thing. You got to get to a place that you, you really recognize this. The sun set me free and I am free indeed. If he calls me free, I'm calling myself free. And that thing that tries to interfere with us, we stand to, before it like a mountain. We look at it face to face and we start declaring, you have got to move. You can't stay dominating my life any longer. As far as I'm concerned, the sun has set me free. I am free indeed. Which brings us to our last perspective. It's constructive freedom. So freedom is conditional. Freedom is also controlled freedom. But it's also constructive. And let's get back to John 8, 31 and 32. And look at what it says. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, look at this, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So what truth do we need to know? The truth about ourselves. Those Jews he was talking to said, I don't have any problem. Nothing wrong with me. I've never been in bondage. We're not bonds bondage with anybody. We're Abraham's seed. Almost a type of arrogance and pride because of, because of their heritage. But Jesus pointed out, look, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And you can't even recognize the fact that you need deliverance from this bondage called sin and death. And so thank God each and every one of us has sinned in our lives. Can you say yes to that? Absolutely. We've all done wrong and we've all missed the mark. So in other words, I need to be transparent before God and just say, look, I know I've sinned before. I know I can have a problem with guilt, with pride. I know I can have a problem with and you can name the things that, you know, in your life that you can see. You know, maybe I'm narcissistic. I don't know. You could look at look things, you could look at yourself and basically when the scripture says you, you, we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to take inventory in our own lives, examine our own hearts and selves before God and say, God's showing me anything that needs to be dealt with in my life. So whether it's, well, let's say lust or whether it's greed or jealousy or insecurity or low self-esteem or whether it's maybe the way I look, my appearance, you know, some people are really in bondage to their appearance. Could be in bondage. I don't like the way my nose is. Or I don't like the way my ears set. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, but look at me. Stop looking in the mirror. Look in the mirror of God's word and find out what he says about you. You look so good, it's unthinkable. You are a masterpiece designed by the living God who created you and made you. See, we can get hung up and Get hindered by these little things because we don't think, you know, we look good enough or whatever. But you know what? The truth about ourselves is look, if we all we look at our outward man, we're gonna see some faults, some failures, shortcomings, inadequacies, and so on and so forth. And we all can say amen to that, right? But you see, the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free is this truth that says, I'm not a body, I am a spirit. And if you ever saw my spirit, oh my, 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 what a masterpiece you would be looking at. Because you see, I was shaped and formed by the blood of Jesus Christ who took me and took my unrecreated spirit and recreated my spirit and made me a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new and all things are of God. I am His work of outstanding artistry, skill, and workmanship. And so when you see me for who I am in the spirit, I look really good. You look really good. If I'm just looking at bodies out there, there's all kinds of differences. But if I looked at your spirit, oh my goodness, I would be blinded up here. You're so aglow because you've been washed in the blood of the lamb. Now, the truth is this. Truth is found in the word of God. True freedom comes from the word of God. Ye shall know the truth if you continue in his word, and the truth you know shall make you free. So here's the point. Let's just say that I'm having an issue with fear, and fear is dominating my life. I need to get a hold of the truth to liberate me from that fear, and that's born out of a relationship with God. Well, how am I going to establish that? I know that God loves me. I have faith in his abilities. I have faith in what he did in recreating my spirit. But now I'm going to explore the word of God a little bit further and find out in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, what it says here. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, I can educate my mind with that and say that. But you know what? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The word know in the Greek is "gnosko," and what it means is knowledge that perfectly unites the subject with the object, the two coming together. It's not just here intellectual knowledge, it's experienced reality. You've heard me say it before. It's like electricity. You can be a scholar when it comes to electricity. You can go to school and learn as much as you can about electricity. You get all this head knowledge up there. But you know what? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about touch it and let your hair stand on end. And now you know electricity. You've experienced it. It's like the baker who bakes the cake that says, I know every ingredient in that cake. That's wonderful. He's not talking about that kind of knowledge. He's talking about taste it. Now you know it. When the Bible says taste and see that God is good, that's exactly what he means. It's not knowing about God. It's knowing God. It's experiencing God. It's God entering into you and you entering into God. And so when I take that verse of scripture and I do what my duty is, I look at that scripture and I just say, okay, God's not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But fear is all around me fear it seems to be dominating i'm bound with this yoke of bondage to fear and we think well i'll just go to church somewhere Perhaps someone lay hands on me and i'll get liberated. you may get liberated for a moment but i guarantee you that spirit of fear is going to come back on you because it knows your weakness and will exploit it so what do you do you go to the word of god and say father You've not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want that truth to be a reality in my life. It's not there now, but you know what? I am going to stay here so the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost needs something to work with. And when I give him the word to work with, he says, okay, now it's time. Let's do it. Enter on into that man's spirit and make that a reality. So power... In the name of Jesus, love, perfect love, cast out fear, sound mind. Praise God. Thank God I cast out every thought, imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And what I'm going to say is the God in me is bigger than the mountain of fear out there. The God in me is more than enough for fear to go out the back door, praise God, and not dominate my life anymore. Look at the next verse, Isaiah 41. This is, this is how we build the life of God into us. Notice this, for fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, yea, I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you, yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness, here again, we have scripture that reveals to us our, no need for us to be dominated by fear or yoked up by, to fear to destroy our lives. And what is it saying? Fear not. And he gives you a reason why. I am with you. Take those first two. For, for I am. Everybody say, I am. I am. Say it this way. The great I am, great I am. is with me. Is with you. I don't want that just to be intellectually understood. I want to embrace that from my heart. If I really knew, you shall know the truth, that the great I am is with me. You talk about walking with your heads up high. Isn't that what he said? I broke the yoke, the bars of your yoke, so that you can walk with your heads up high. I set you free to walk with your heads up high. The great I am is with me. Be not dismayed. Don't lose your courage. I am. Your God. Oh, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, yeah, he might be, but he's also my God. He's your God. Say it with me. You're my God. Oh, let that sink into our ears. Let that sink into the depth of our souls. I'm not fearing. Why? Because God is with me. The great I am is with me. And he is my God. Hallelujah. Look at the next one, Isaiah 43, what it says. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I paid your ransom. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, they won't overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. Why? Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Why? I am. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Not just learning it intellectually, but letting it sink into the depth of our souls. How does that happen? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 17 and 18, I believe it is. Look at this. This is how it happens. This is how it works. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's What? Liberty, freedom, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the spirit of the Lord. Notice, it's constructive. Do you know that you are a work under construction and that I am a work under construction and that every single one of us is God's work that's under construction? We have all these built in things by the Spirit of God, but it's a reality when we look into the Word of God and we start saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh uh-uh. uh, condemnation, I've been redeemed from guilt and condemnation. The devil can't condemn me any longer because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb fear you've got no power over me whatsoever because why my god is with me i've got power love of a sound mind and you could take it whatever what about this with his stripes we were healed with his stripes we were healed see our problem is we hurt we learn that intellectually but we don't take the time to get before the Spirit of God and say, Holy Ghost, this is your dispensation. Holy Ghost, you're at work in my life. Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you the word to work with in my life. I will declare that with the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. I want to thank you for making that a reality in my life. I'm going to declare it, proclaim it, and believe it, praise God, from the heart until it becomes what? One with me, and I become one with it. That's knowing the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth you know will liberate you, deliver you, and set you free. Hallelujah. That's, that's what he's talking. That's the ministry of the Holy Ghost in the earth in our lives. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. For that freedom to become a reality, praise God, to become a reality, we've got to take the word and sow it into our lives. Now, let's close with this verse in Luke 13 because I believe it should speak to every one of our hearts here today. And ought not this woman, being a dollar of Abraham, whom Satan bound, lo these 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. He was responding to the Jews that came to him and said, you can't heal on the Sabbath day. That's against the Mosaic law. Jesus said, you hypocrites. Don't you feed your livestock when they're thirsty on the Sabbath day? Don't you go get your little lamb that falls into a ditch to to preserve its life when it goes into it on the Sabbath day? Yeah, then ought not this woman who the devils had bound all these years be loose from that bond on the Sabbath day just because it's the Sabbath day? You exalt the Sabbath day above a woman's life? Jesus said that's hypocritical. That's wrong. Thank God, if that woman ought to be free, then we ought to be free as well. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's went. He's already gone out. He's found every single lamb that's been astray. And praise God, he's brought us back home. He's delivered us. He set us free. He set us on high. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you free indeed? You see how we have to cooperate with God? Oh, thank God. My body's telling me, ouch, ooh, and all this. And Jesus said, I set you free. Come on. I was picking up 40 pounds of of, uh, mulch, 40, uh, 45, 43, something like that. I found out I have a back. I did. It started talking to me hmm said slow down a pain here a pain there right so the body says one thing but the word says another so you know what let's all stand and say what the word says